Go and do likewise. You know the story of the Good Samaritan? Do you remember that story? Is it a good story? You guys are quiet today. I don't know what I've done to make you quiet. I haven't even started preaching yet. Luke chapter 10. This parable has some pretty powerful lessons for us. And I pray that you will listen attentively and take some of this message home with you. So the man comes to Jesus. What must I do to inherit eternal life? What does Jesus say? Love the Lord your God with heart, soul, and mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. The man's response was? I'm doing that. I'm doing that. How's that working out for you? Do you love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and mind, and strength? And do you love your neighbor as yourself? Easy questions, right? How's the answer? I'll just put you on the spot. How much money did you just give this morning to dig a well? I don't mean to embarrass you, but I don't mind asking that question. Who is your neighbor? That's what the guy really wanted to know. Who's your neighbor? Now, Jesus told him, he said, if you do this, you will live. If you go and love your neighbor as yourself, if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength, you will live. You'll have eternal life. That was Jesus' response to the man. But the man wasn't satisfied with the conversation at that point. And this is where the rub comes in this story. He wasn't satisfied with his response. He wasn't satisfied with what Jesus had said. And he wanted to do just a little bit more. See, the scary part was that he wanted to justify himself. And this is where the rubber meets the road with us. Because I'm not sure we're so much different than this man. Because we want to justify ourselves a lot. We do. We do church a certain way because we want to justify the theology that we've come to understand and read in the New Testament. We live our lives a certain way because we want to justify ourselves before God. Thinking, thinking that we can justify ourselves before God. Now truly, how much can you justify yourself? How much can you really say to God and say, oh, this is what I did, and it be enough? You see, we never have enough. We never do enough ourselves to ever earn the right to stand before God to say anything because we know who we are deep down on the inside. And so the man asked, well, then who is my neighbor? And I just want you to think about that with me for a moment this morning. Who is your neighbor? And Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan. There were three individuals who walked by this man who's been beaten on the side of the road. Who were the three? There was a Samaritan. That's who the parable is named after, yes? Who are the other two? A priest and a Levite. A priest was who in the community? Jewish leader, right? He was one of the smart ones in the Bible. Okay? In, the, in those times, he was one of the leaders of the community. Who was the Levite? Again, one of the brighter ones in the community. Yes, one of those who supposedly knew the Word of God. He knew how to teach it. He knew how to live it. He knew how to expound upon it and share that news with others. But here's the difference in these three men. The priest and the Levite were concerned with what other people were going to think about them before they helped the guy. 
And the Samaritan, the one who was considered by some to be a dog in the community, if you will. Remember Samaritan? Samaria? Remember those people? Remember Jesus going into the community? Who did he talk with there? Do you remember? The woman at the well? Is that right? I got my stories right? He speaks to the woman at the well, and the problem with the woman at the well was what? Not so much that she was just a woman, but what? She was a Samaritan woman. She was one whom no one would even want to talk to because they were the half-breeds of the community, the Jewish community. They had intermarried, they had other gods, they had all this stuff going against them. The Samaritan man, the one who helps the guy who's beaten, he wasn't concerned with what other people thought about him. He was concerned with the needs of the individual who has been hurt. I just want you to think about that a moment with me. Why do you do what you do? When you go out of this building and when you go into this community, why do you do what you do? Do you ever stop and think about, I wonder what somebody's going to think about when I do this? I wonder how they're going to think about me. I wonder what they're going to think about me. I wonder what they're going to think about my church. Do you ever think about that first before you extend the helping hand to someone about anything? Or can we be like this Samaritan guy and consider the needs of others without really contemplating the reflection upon us? Tough place to find oneself. Especially in a world that basically teaches us it's all about us. And we need to make sure we cover ourselves. We need to make sure we look good. We need to make sure everything is good for us because we don't want to be perceived as someone who's not whatever the world thinks that we are. So where do we go from here? When you consider your community, when you consider your neighborhood, when you consider the world that you and I live in, where do we go from here? And how do we begin to live more like the Samaritan whom Jesus said, uh, go and do likewise? I want you to be like the Samaritan. That's what Jesus said. I want you to be like the Samaritan. I don't need you to be like the priest. I don't need you to be like the Levite. I need you to be like the Samaritan. We make excuses. For how we conduct ourselves in the world, we make excuses. An excuse is just a lie you tell yourself to make yourself feel better about justifying your lack of responsibility for your own life. Especially life in the kingdom of God. For those of you that were in the adult Bible class this morning, Brother Glenn did a phenomenal job in opening our eyes to the fact that we have a responsibility to go out into the world and to share the news of others to with, with, with about Jesus to others who are in the world. And guess what? When the end comes, we get to stand before God and we get to give an accounting of all of the things that we've done. The bad and the good. Do you understand that? It's not just the bad stuff. We get to give an accounting of the good stuff. But a lot of times we go through our lives making up excuses, telling ourselves, well, I don't really need to do that or I don't want to do that because I can't do that. Because someone will think this about me. I can't say it here because I'm in a place where people don't accept it to be said here. 
Look, we live in a pretty crazy world. <clears throat> Being a Christian is not politically correct anymore. Did you know that? Well, if you don't, let me, let me let you in on a secret. Being a Christian is not politically correct anymore. The world that you and I live in, the, the media world, if you will, if I can use that expression, the world of the media has nothing good to say for anyone that's a believer anymore. You can do anything else, you can be anything else, but if you're a believer and if you're willing to stand on the principles of the Word of God, you and I will be chastised, will be ridiculed, will be spit upon, will be beaten, will have all of those things done to us, whether physically or verbally, those things will happen to us because that's the world we live in today. So, how do you and I live among our neighbors like a Samaritan? We can't make excuses. We can't see the needs of those who are around us and walk across the street. We can't see the needs of those who are around us and go out of our way to make sure that we don't have to be burdened or bothered by those who have needs that are right in front of us. I remember 25, 30, 35 years ago when social gospel, social evangelism started kind of creeping its way into churches. And I remember hearing sermons and people and ministers of all different kinds of churches start talking about the perils and the dangers of social evangelism and social gospel because if all we do is come together and if all we do is go out into the world to take care of people who have special needs, whatever those special needs were, then we're going to water down the gospel. What kind of special needs did the guy have who had been beaten laying on the side of the road? And why in the world with two men who are supposed to be the religious leaders of the day, why would they ignore the needs of this man? Can only speculate. Don't have a good answer for you. But I'm thinking that a part of them was probably like, I don't have time because I have a Bible study to go to. I don't have time because I have to go take care of this situation at the church or at the synagogue. I don't have time because I don't want to get my hands dirty. I don't have time, and I want you to listen very carefully to this one. I don't have time because if I commit myself to this individual, it's not only going to take more of my time, but it's going to take my financial resources to care for this person. And if we live in a world where that hits us, I don't know what other world we live in because that's probably one of the biggest challenges we have today. I don't want to take care of this situation because it's going to take my time and my money and I don't want to let go of my time and you're sure not going to get my money. Because I have to go to the Palms Resort in the desert. And if you don't know what that means, you should have been in Bible class this morning. Guys, we live in, we live in the most precarious times. We live in a time in history when no one in the world around us, it's in the world of media that, that has access to the masses, they don't want anything to do with us. They don't want to give us any good news. And yet Jesus tells us a story about taking care of those who are the most downtrodden. 
What do you do with this? What do you do with the parable of a good Samaritan? When you live in a world and when you've been brought up in church that virtually limits everything you do to whatever we have in the budget here. Jesus gives us an answer. Which of these three do you think was the neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And those with whom he is speaking said, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus says, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. Mercy. Very interesting concept. Luke 6, be ye therefore merciful as your Father is merciful. Mercy. Mercy. When you get something that you don't get what you deserve or you don't get something you do deserve, which is it? Mercy. Grace and mercy. The foundation of all of Christianity. The grace of God is what saves us. Because we're going to receive something we never deserved. Because not one of us has ever lived perfectly. We've all sinned and fallen short of the God. And the mercy of God is when he allows us to have something that we never, ever did deserve. And sometimes mercy is taking us from a situation that maybe would have been too hard for us and we don't have to live through. Two weeks, we're going to celebrate the life of one of our former members. She was not an older lady when she passed. She was not 92. And if I, I don't know the family, but I've heard stories of some of the circumstances of the family. It hasn't been an easy life. Perhaps God knew something worse was even coming. And he's allowed her to come home. So she doesn't have to experience something even worse. The mercy of God goes way beyond what we can imagine sometimes. And when you and I look at a world that we live in that's full of all kinds of bad stuff, all kinds of bad stuff, where is the mercy from our hearts to the world? I was in Phoenix this week. Have any of you been to Phoenix in the last few years, the last few months, anyone? A couple of you have? It's an interesting city. I mean, it is. It's a very interesting city. There's some really, really nice parts of the city, and there's some parts that have been there a long, long time, and they're kind of run down. The most interesting place to go in Phoenix is Walmart. <laughs> I'm just telling you, it is the most interesting place to go. And, and the beauty of the Walmarts in Phoenix is they're super Walmarts. They're not these little things that we call Walmart in California. They're really super Walmarts where they have the full grocery store, the full-on grocery store, and the full-on everything else. The only thing I think you cannot buy at Walmart is a car. You can get it online, but you can't get it at the store. But when you go into Walmart in Phoenix, you see all 
kinds of people. I mean, you name it, and they're there. But here's what I've discovered about all of those kinds of people and, and going, and I sometimes just go, because you know what, I'm working over there, and I don't have anything to do at night, so I find something to entertain myself, and Walmart seems to be a place of choice sometimes. And I go there just to watch the people. I don't buy anything much, but I go there and I walk around, I get a cart and I look like I'm doing something and I'm just watching people. And you know what I've realized about the people that shop at Walmart in Phoenix? Almost without exception, they want a happy life. They want to be fulfilled. I see people that they don't look like they have three nickels to make 15 cents worth pushing carts through there with a buggy load of kids and and. You can just see in their faces that they want goodness for their children. And I see people in the front, I see them kind of meandering around inside the front of the store who without making judgment or passing judgment, I know they're probably living on the street. They're homeless. Because when they come in, they leave their bag at the front door. Guys, there are all kinds of people in the world and you know what they really want? They want to be happy with life. They want goodness. They want to find fulfillment. And I can't help but wonder, can we see that in people, regardless of what the outside looks like? Don't take this the wrong way, but I've seen more ladies with shaved heads and tattoos on their heads in Arizona than I've seen anywhere else in the world. And I don't know what that's all about. I haven't had the nerve yet to stop and tap them on the shoulder and say, hey, tell me about the shaved head and the tattoos. I haven't done that yet. But I will. I will. When I find the right person and the right vibe is there, I'll just ask them because I'm just crazy enough to do it. But I know this about those people. They long for joy and happiness and fulfillment in life. And I don't know if you understand this or not, but really the only and the truest and the best place to find happiness and joy and fulfillment is when God fills your heart with Christ in the Spirit. That's it. It's not in the stuff you can buy. It's not in the food that you get to eat. It's not in the places that you go. It's in Christ. Mercy. I don't understand all the people that I see and meet. But you know the blessing of it is? I don't have to understand it all. I only have to be a Samaritan. I only have to be one who's willing to extend a little mercy and understanding and compassion and a little empathy and maybe a little bit of my time, and maybe a little bit of my money to somebody who doesn't seem to have it all together, who, or who definitely just by the outside viewing needs a little bit of my time and my money in the name of God, in the name of Jesus, and in the name of the Spirit. Be merciful. Have mercy. And go and do likewise. Jesus has called a wise man 
who understood, get this, he understood, he understood the theology. He understood the right answers to the questions. But he didn't understand the heart of it. And Jesus called him to be like someone that he naturally and normally would have despised. A Samaritan man. And he's called him to have mercy on those around him. To give them something they didn't expect. To give them something they didn't even deserve. He's called him to go and do likewise. So this morning, I just want to open your eyes just a little bit to the world around you. And I want you to see and recognize that there are people who are all around you who need just a little bit of mercy from you. They might need your time. They might need some of your money. But most importantly, Jesus calls us to be like this man. And he calls us to go and do those kinds of things. And I can promise you, you're not going to be comfortable doing it sometimes. And you're not going to like doing it sometimes. Because it's going to feel very peculiar and very strange and very weird. And you're going to feel like somebody's taking advantage of you again. But that's what God has called us to be. I bet you. Some of you have taken advantage of God. And you've taken advantage of His grace and mercy. Because you just keep doing the same stuff over and over again you've been doing. And you know, you know that you really shouldn't be doing that. Jesus told this parable for a reason. Not just so this man would understand how he's supposed to live, but so you and I would understand how we should walk in Christ every day. So I invite you to be a person filled with compassion and mercy and give your heart to Christ and give yourself to others. Brandon is going to come and lead us in this song. This song is older than anybody in the room three times over. Some of you may not even know this song, it's so old. Years I spent in vanity and pride, but the words are amazing. Caring not, my Lord is crucified. Mercy there was great and grace for me. It's part of the chorus. I want you to listen carefully to the words of this song as Brandon leads us. And as we sing this song, I invite you to recommit your heart to Christ. I invite you to recommit your life to one of living in mercy and grace so that others around you may know that Jesus lives in you. Regardless of what the media says, they know that Jesus lives in you and you live in him and you are extending to others something which they never ever expected or did they deserve, but you gave it to them anyway because you went and you did likewise. If there's a need for you to respond to the church, we can pray for you in any way. We invite you to come. If you've never obeyed the gospel, if you haven't received Jesus as Lord and Savior, if you've never washed away the sins, we invite you to come and call on the name of the Lord. Let's sing this song. Brandon. Mercy,